We are in the middle of the series called Unoffendable. And today, today I want to talk about anger. So for me growing up, I didn't get angry very often. In fact, I even prided myself on staying calm, cool, and collected all the time. But then a few things happened in my 20s that really forced me to question whether I was really as calm, cool, and collected as I thought I was. So first, the first one was in college. It was, there was a campus-wide scavenger hunt, big prizes, everything was on the line, and we get the list. I look over, I, everyone starts, we, we look over the list, I see wig on the list. And I had a wig in my dorm room, so I took off, ran to the dorm room. I got there, and my roommate had beat me to my room. He had gone in there and grabbed the wig. And of course, I just like sprinted across campus. I was a little jacked up on adrenaline. And I grab him, I throw him up against the wall, and proceed to choke him over my wig. It took a few guys to pull me off. So later that year, uh, I, was, I was dating my girlfriend who, who was, let's just say, a bit emotionally complicated. Um, she is now my wife, who is a bit emotionally complicated. <laughs> and so and it, we, were, we were on the phone, and, and she had decided to break up with me. So over the phone, she broke up with me, didn't give me a reason. This would be the equivalent of nowadays of, like, texting over breakup or just ghosting your boyfriend or girlfriend completely. That's, that's sort of what it was like. And I was furious. I don't know why I was so angry, but I, I could not, like, control myself. And I grabbed one of the metal chairs from our dining room and proceeded to throw it across the room. And clearly that wasn't enough for me because I went to the other side of the room, grabbed the chair, threw it to the other side of the room, and threw this from wall to wall four or five times. And again, it took a couple of my roommates to talk me down. Even, even after I got married, even into our first year of marriage, I punched a hole in our wall because we were in the middle of a fight, and I didn't know what to do with all of these emotions inside me. And they were just riling up and riling up, and, and all of a sudden, I punched a wall. Well, there goes that deposit. And I had to come to grips with the fact that I had a problem with anger. And at that point, that's when I started pretty much a 15-year journey of dealing with my anger. Admitting that I had a problem, that I didn't deal with negative emotions well, and learning to understand my anger, learning to talk about my emotions, things that I did not walk into marriage and certainly not walk into college with. And, and so I began this long journey in understanding my anger. So, you see, we will never be able to be unoffendable unless we are able to understand why we get angry. We will never be able to, to get rid of all anger, like Paul says in, in Colossians and Ephesians. We'll never be able to get rid of all anger unless we are able to understand it and manage it and talk about it and give it up to God. Because you see, you'll never be able to do any of that. You won't be able to talk about it. You won't be able to reconcile with another. You, you won't really even be able to give it up to God unless you understand what's going on inside you when you get angry. So it is an absolute must 
to live out God's command. Something we've talked about in the last couple weeks. To give, live out God's command that says, dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And to live that out, we have to understand our anger. So before we dive any deeper, let's take a little poll. So here, pull out your phones. If you got your phones, pull them out. And I want you to go to riverlifemn.com slash poll. And you'll see two questions on that page. How big of a problem is anger for you? And how happy or how satisfied are you with the way you handle anger? So two questions, riverlifeandmen.com slash poll. Take those, to answer those two questions, and the results are going to show up on my phone. Right? Yep, so go ahead and do that. And let's, let's get a little collective knowledge about how we are feeling about our anger. Let's see how we're doing so far. Okay. okay. Yep, the votes are coming in. Good job. Yep, keep them coming. Yep, we've got about, what, about 13, 14 coming in. Oh, there we go. There we go. Now we're up to about 40. Yeah, keep, keep them going. If you haven't already, go ahead and vote on those two questions. Yep, 47, 59. Keep them going. 63. Okay, okay. Good. So let, let's see how we're doing so far. So um, let's do one more refresh. How are we? How, okay, we've got 70 of them. Let's see, see how the results are. So 13% of you said it's a big problem for me. That means 13% of you in this room say it's anger is a big problem for me. Okay. 50% of you, 49% of you said it's a problem, but not a big one. So it's a problem. I've got some growing to do, it's, but it's not a huge one. It's not like destroying my marriage, getting me fired, things like that. Okay? Let's see. Let's refresh. Oh, ooh, we're, we're up to 82. Let's see if it changed. Okay, yep. So, so 15%, it's a huge problem. So, yeah, all of you angry people, it just took a little while for you to do that. That's all right. Don't get angry over it. Okay? 50% of you said it's, it's a problem, but not a big one. 31% um, said it's a small problem. And then 4% said it's, uh, almost 5% said it's not a problem at all. So, well, bless you, 5%. Amen. You're the ones who make the best friends, the best husbands, wives, all right. Okay. So, listen, so if we combine the top two, we are looking at 50. We're looking at 65% of you say this morning, anger is a problem for me. It's either kind of a medium problem or it's a big problem. 65% of you, I think this is worth talking about. Okay, let's try the next one. Let's see the next one. How happy are you with the way you deal with anger? Here we go. Let's see what we got. We've got, yep, 85 results. Okay, so um, I don't like that at all the way I deal with anger. 12% uh, of you said, I don't like at all how I deal with it. So pretty close to the 15 who said it's a huge problem. And my guess is, okay, I guess whoever those 3% are, I need to pray for you. 
okay? <laughs> Who have a big problem with anger but don't think it's a problem, <laughs> okay? But so those numbers are pretty close. How about those that say, most of the time I know how to handle it, but sometimes, or I, most of the time I don't like how I handle it. Um, 23, 28%. 28% of you said, okay, most of the time I don't like it. So if we combine the top two, we're looking at 30 to um, about 42%. So 42% of you, so one thing that says is there are a lot of you who acknowledge anger is a problem, but you're kind of okay with it. It's not, you're not all that concerned. And then the largest, the largest category was I'm generally happy, happy with it, but sometimes I handle it poorly. That was our largest category at 52%. And then God bless the 8% of you. <laughs> there you go. So, I think what, the, what this says in, right now in our group is, one, a lot of you acknowledge you have a problem with anger. Nearly two-thirds of you are willing to admit, I've got, a pro I've got some problem with anger. And then there, a smaller percentage, about, let's see, um, the, the 30 and 11, so 42, 43% of you s identify that it's a problem. Okay? So what this says is we need some help. You might, you might understand what the Bible talks about. You might, you might, you might get the idea, well, yeah, we're supposed to get rid of anger. We're supposed to not, be, not yell and shout and punch and hit and throw things. I get that. That's, that's not Christ-like. But I don't like how I deal with my anger. I need some help dealing with my anger. If that is you, God brought you here for a reason. Because today's a little different. For the, last, for the last few weeks, I've been building a biblical case for being unoffendable. For sacrificing our right to be angry at someone else or something. And, and I believe that I've built a pretty compelling biblical case. And I'm going to return to this idea next week where we talk about a biblical view of social injustice. And how does anger fit in with social injustice? But this week, I want to take a little break. I want to take... Excuse me, I want to take a break about that because I acknowledge, and I've talked about that the last couple weeks, there are a lot, there's a lot in Scripture that talks about anger and angry people, that speaks against it, that, that told that, we, that we, should, we should confess it, we should avoid it, we should run from it, we should rid ourselves of all anger. So I don't think there's a question that the Bible says we shouldn't, get angry, explosive anger at people. We acknowledge that. But the hard question is, how do we do it? It's easy to understand Ephesians, Colossians, and say we shouldn't be angry. But when push comes to shove and the argument starts going and the emotions start driving, what do you do? Do you know how to deal with your anger then? That's what today is about. So, I, I, first I want to say, I am indebted to Pastor Chip Ingram. He's a, a radio and uh, YouTube pastor. He pastors down, uh, down south, I think, no, out in California. Um, but I'm indebted to him and a series, of, a sermon series and a book that he published uh, called Overcoming Emotions That Destroy. I discovered this series about eight or nine years ago. And it was fundamental to help me understand, one, my own anger. Because, again, that, that was a long 15-year journey of dealing with my own anger. And I'm indebted to this. And some of the things I'm going to share with you today are from his material. 
Um, but, I be, but this has so transformed my life and transformed my marriage, I couldn't not share this with you. So I decided to take a Sunday and give you some of the nuts and bolts. Give you some of the how-tos about living out being unoffendable. So today, I want to equip you with how to live out God's command to get rid of all anger. I want to give you skills. I want to give you tools to help do this, to help handle your anger better. So that if I were to take this poll again six months from now, the whole bar graph would just shift lower in the stats. And you would be happier. You would be angry less. You would yell less. You would be physically aggressive and violent less. And as a result, you would be able to honor God more. You would be able to obey God more. You would be more Christ-like to your family, to your parents, to your friends, to your coworkers. That's what today is all about. So it's a little less about teaching what the scripture says about anger, and it's a whole lot about teaching us how to live out what the scripture says about anger. If you weren't here for the first two weeks, I highly encourage you, go to our website, riverlifemn.com, slash sermons, and watch the last two weeks. We've got his podcast as well. You can play it as you're driving to work. I really encourage you to listen to the last two weeks. Um, but today, I want to equip you. I, I want to give you what God and some other trusted people gave me when I was in my 20s and early 30s. And that's what today is all about. So you can think of it a little bit more like a workshop than a sermon. Think of it as practical how-tos versus biblical explanation. And, and I think we need it. So this is for all 65% of you who say, you know, I've got a problem with anger. It's either a big problem or it's a medium problem, but I've got a problem. And I wanted to share this because this transformed me. It transformed our marriage. And honestly, I don't know where we would be if I still dealt with anger the way I did in my 20s. But one thing's for sure. I would have hurt painful a whole lot more than I have. So thank God that I was able to avoid that by learning how to understand and manage my anger. So let's start with the truth. Let's start with one basic truth. We all get angry. We all get angry. Now, some of you are saying, well, duh. And some of you are, are nudging the person next to you, duh. Okay, don't do that. Okay. Um, but, but the truth is we all get angry. Now, if you had asked 20-year-old Greg, I actually would have told you, no, I don't get angry. Because, see, in my family, anger wasn't an okay emotion. Anger meant you were losing control. Anger meant you were, you were using your emotions and not your mind. Anger was lesser. Emotions were lesser than intellect. And so I grew up not really expressing anger. And as a result, not really knowing what to do with it when it did come up. So we all get angry. Because you see, 
we all have a little Hulk in us. We just have to admit it. We've all got a little Hulk in us. So the question isn't, do you get angry? The question isn't, are you a Hulk? The question is, what type of Hulk are you? Because, see, we all get angry, but we don't express anger the same way. We all get angry, but we don't all deal with anger the same way. There are basically three big picture ways that people deal with anger. And we're going to talk about that today. And by the way, I'm going to have a handout with all of this stuff. Like the whole sermon plus stuff I couldn't fit in. I'm going to have all of this on paper um, as you go. So you'll be able to get all of this. You won't have to scurry to scramble and take notes. Okay? So what type of Hulk are you? Here's the first one. There's the exploder Hulk. These are the people whose key message says anger is necessary and even good. You should get angry. They're the ones who, who, when they're angry, you know it. They're like, you you bet I'm mad. You know it. Why do they do it? Because anger gives us a feeling of power. It gives us a feeling of control. And what do they do? They'll yell, shout, hit, intimidate, demand, coerce, control. Those are all exploder behaviors. And the result that happens is it hurts people. It hurts relationships. It makes people afraid of you. And in almost all the cases for exploders, there's also regret after the fight whether it be that night, the next morning, there's almost always guilt and regret. Okay? So some of you are exploders. Now let's go to the next one. Stuffers. See, now stuffers, these are the ones that that kind of feel like anger is bad. So I have to bury it inside. They're the ones you ask me, okay, guys, have you ever gotten this one? Are you upset with me? No, I'm not upset with you. Okay? Yeah, that's, that's the stuffer. And see, the stuffers, they view, they view anger as bad or sinful. Maybe they grew up in an angry or even violent household, so they've had such an extreme reaction against it. They said, well, I will never be angry. And so they stuff it. Now, stuffers tend to tell people they're not angry. Uh, they'll tend to pretend, they'll pretend to still be friends when they're really upset with you, or they'll just ignore you. They won't return your texts. They'll just kind of shut people out. Now, the result of stuffers, stuffers take it all onto themselves because their anger doesn't go anywhere. And they stuff it deep down inside. Uh, They often, these people to release, they'll often uh, participate in binge behaviors or high-risk behaviors. So it's overeating binge-watching Netflix, sleeping a lot, um, binge-drinking. All of these are ways that we act out when we stuff emotions. And the result of this is that they avoid people. These are the folks who will stop coming to church after they get into a fight with someone. They won't try to resolve the fight. They'll just stop coming to church. Or they stop coming to, to, to life group. So those are stuffers. 
How about leakers? There's another one, leakers. See, now leakers, these are the ones who they'll turn their back and shake their fist at you. See, they, they won't shake it in your face. They'll, okay? Because they let their anger leak out. Exploders do it to your face. Leakers do it behind your back. So their, their main message is showing anger is bad. You can be angry. You just can't show it. They're the ones who will be like, angry? No, 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 I'm not angry. Oh, okay, maybe I'm a little angry. Okay? And they do this, and it's very similar to the stuffers, where they believe maybe anger is bad, anger is sinful, anger is inferior. They've had bad experiences with anger. Maybe their mom or their, their dad was angry or violent. And, and so they decided to never be that way again. So they stuff. Or they, they try to stuff, but they leak it out in little. This is passive aggressive. If you've ever had a passive aggressive friend, or if you've ever been a passive aggressive friend, this is you. Okay? Because they show anger in really small ways. They, they really indirect. They gossip. They'll give you the cold shoulder. They'll come to church, but they'll be the ones who like walk right past you without making eye contact. And then in their, their heart, they'll be I hope they notice that. <laughs> Those are the leakers. Okay? They, they use sarcasm. No, I'm not angry. Okay? They'll pout, throw little adult temper tantrums. These are the leakers. And the result is leakers frustrate other people. Leakers actually become two-faced. They become liars because they say they're not angry, but they leak it out. They leak out little passive-aggressive behaviors onto people. Okay? And they also become very critical and very negative. So there you go. Three types of hulks. The exploder, the stuffer, the leaker. So which type of Hulk are you? Chances are one of these is your default mode. For me, it was, it was, I was an exploder. But, and, and to answer your question, yes, you can be two of them. Because, you know, the, the truth is I was a stuffer. Because I didn't know what to, de- to do with my anger. But here's the reality for all you stuffers. And you already know this. If you're not a stuffer, I'll let you into the mind of a stuffer. We always explode. You can't stuff forever. You will always explode. It will always come out in destructive ways, either destructive on you or destructive on others. So, yeah, so I I was a stuffer, and then in my 20s, apparently I became an exploder. So what kind of Hulk are you? Now, if you're not sure on the handout that we'll have after service, there's actually a little quiz you can take the little, it's your new BuzzFeed quiz, what type of Hulk are you, okay? And tell me what type of Hulk are you, and I'll tell you your exact age. I don't know how, okay? So, so if you're not sure, you're like, I, I don't know, take this little quiz on the handout, and you can find out. And so now, see, let's connect. We've got three Hulks here. Let's connect this back to the famous Ephesians verse on anger. Okay, so here's the verse. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Very, very prominent verse in the New Testament on anger. Now, exploders, 
Okay? We're going to see how courageous you are. Okay, exploders, raise your hand. Exploders, I, I am a recovering exploder. Okay? Exploders, you violate the first half of this. Okay? You sin in your anger. Stuffers, how about stuffers? I, I was a former stuffer. I'm, I deal with things much. Okay, stuffers, raise your hand. Stuffers, okay? Stuffers, you violate the second part of this command. You let the sun go down on your anger because you hold on to your anger for days, weeks, and the really good stuffers, months, and years. Have you ever been in one of those conversations listening to your parents talk to people like that they knew from Laos and somebody brings up something wrong they did back in Laos? Dang! <laughs> I can't remember what wrong I did yesterday. Okay? So there are some really talented stuffers around here. Okay? And, and I'm guessing you, so some of you have picked up some of that from your parents. Okay? How about leakers? Leakers? Raise your hand on leakers. Okay, okay. See, leakers, y'all violate both of these. <laughs> you sin in your anger because you intentionally do things to hurt someone else, and you let the sun go down on your anger because you hold on to it. Come on, leakers. So the truth is, none of these are healthy, none of these are godly, none of them are great ways to deal with anger. Okay? And all of these involve sin. That's why it's important to talk about this. All of these involve sin. And if by giving you some tools, I can help you sin less, I think it was a good day at church. So, so each one of these, each one of these has action steps you can do. Each one of these has things that you can do to follow God better, to obey Christ, to be more Christ-like, and to stop hurting other people. So, here's what exploders need. So all you exploders out there, here. You need to admit your destructive expressions of anger. You just need to admit, because a lot of exploders think it's okay, or if it's okay if I just apologize the next morning. No, you need to admit how destructive you are. That was one of the first things I had to own up to. Was I really hurt my roommates. One of them I actually hurt. And I hurt the walls of our poor dorm room. So you, you have to admit it. You can't brush this off. You can't just say, this is just who I am. You can't just apologize and say, I'm so sorry. I, like, I just got so angry. No, no, no. You just have to admit it. Second is you need to develop a longer fuse. Okay? The, the Bible actually gives us a command to be quick to listen and slow to get angry. Exploders are not slow to get angry. So you need to develop that, that ability to lengthen the time before you get angry. And then last is you need to learn how to take a time out. Okay? Call an audible on the play and take the time out because you know you're going to explode. One of the biggest lessons, one of the biggest growing areas for me was when I began to recognize, like if you imagine the, the, the tachometer on your car, the thing that revs when you hit the, the gas, the, and you know it always goes red like around, let's say, 7. Usually before, I wouldn't know I was angry until I hit 7. That's not good because <laughs> you're already hurting people at that point. 
So one of the greatest things and one of the things I'm so grateful for this type of stuff and for God's grace in my life is that I began to learn and identify when I got to a three and a four. Then I could tell I was heading to seven. And now usually I can tell by like two or three I could tell if I'm even going that direction. But I've been working on this for 25 years. So, so part of that is you need to be able to be aware of your anger and take a time out. It is okay. So married couples, it is okay to take a time out as long as you commit to when the time in is. You can't just call time out and walk out the door, <laughs> jump in your car and drive off. No, it doesn't work that way. Okay? How about stuffers? All you stuffers out there, let's figure out how to be more Christ-like as stuffers. First is you have to admit when you're angry. So all you, all you Minnesota nice, grew up here in Minnesota. Minnesota nice are stuffers. They're also leakers. They are some pretty talented leakers. Okay. So all you Minnesota nice, you got to admit, I'm really angry right now, okay? And admitting that you're angry is not, I'm angry right now. No, that's not it. It's, oh, I'm really angry right now. It's acknowledging it, not denying it. Also, it's to understand why they believe anger is wrong or sinful. It took me years to figure out why I believed things about anger. So I had to look back at my family. And where, where in the world did I learn to throw chairs? No one in my family expressed anger. And it took me a while. It took me months and months of hard work and prayer and talking with me. And, you know, I finally realized I learned it from my water polo coach because he would throw a metal chair across the pool deck. That's where I learned it. And I was not at all aware of that for years. So you have to understand why you believe that anger is bad or wrong or sinful or lesser or whatever. And then also learn to communicate anger constructively. You need to be able to communicate it better. Lastly, leakers, all you leakers out there, all you passive-aggressive and recovering passive-aggressives, you also need to admit when you're angry. Again, not exploding, but just acknowledging it. Stop trying to deny that you're angry, particularly to other people. See, leakers admit to themselves they're angry. Stuffers don't even do that. They'll deny that they're angry, but leakers know, they know that they're angry, but they're not going to tell the other person that they're angry. They'll let it out in little passive-aggressive and direct ways. So you need to admit it. Also, to learn to communicate more effectively. And then, like the, like the exploders, leakers need to admit that their passive-aggressive behaviors are sinful. They are hurtful. They are disobedient to God. They're sinful. So, for each, whichever category you're in, do you have one of those that you latched on to? For your exploders, stuffers, and leakers, do you have one of those that you can work on this week? Hopefully. And if you've kind of forgotten, the handout will be on your way out after service. So that's one thing you have to do. You have to change the way that you understand your anger, how, how you express your anger. Okay. Next, next is, let me ask you a question. What emotion do you feel when you're angry? What emotion do you feel when you're angry? 
right? Now, some of you are thinking, uh, is that a trick question? Isn't it anger? <laughs> no, that's actually not correct. See, here's the second truth about anger. Anger is always a secondary emotion. Anger is always a secondary emotion. Anger is never the primary emotion. There is always, always, always an emotion behind the anger. Again, anger is always a secondary emotion. So think of it like this. Think of it like this. So anger is like an iceberg. Anger is like an iceberg. The anger you feel is at the top. That's what you see. That's what you express. But there is an entire iceberg below the surface of emotions that unless you're paying attention to, the things that really need to be talked about will never get talked about because all you can talk about is what's above the surface. You can also think of anger like the check engine light on your car. This is very ironic because my engine light is on right now. <laughs> you know, it's the thing you've been ignoring for a month. See, the check engine light says that something's wrong under the hood. That's what anger says. When you get angry, when you feel that anger welling up inside you, it means something's wrong under the hood. And it's not just anger. See, that was, that was what I didn't know back in my 20s. Because I said I had an anger problem. And some of you have probably said, I have an anger problem. Some of you have had friends or family members tell you you have an anger problem. But here's the reality. It's not an anger problem. Because anger is always a secondary emotion. Anger is always a secondary emotion. So one of the best things you could ever do to understand your anger, to deal with your anger, to learn to be unoffendable is to understand the emotion beneath the anger. And there's always an emotion there. There's always an emotion. Okay? So if that's true, if anger is always a secondary emotion, why do we get angry? Why don't we just react to whatever emotion is the real one? See, here's the thing. Because it is easier to be angry then feel and deal with the deep, sensitive, painful emotions that are really at the heart of it. It is so much easier to be angry. It's so much easier to lash out, to stuff, to be passive-aggressive, to deny, than to deal with the real painful stuff inside you. The deep wounds that you don't often go to. See, anger artificially gives us a sense of control when we are feeling emotionally out of control. That's what anger does. That's why we like anger. We like anger because it gives us a sense of control when our emotions are feeling out of control. And unless you can embrace those secondary, those, those primary emotions, your default will always be to go to anger. So when you're angry, you're always reacting to another emotion. And you have to figure out what it is. 
See, otherwise you'll never get to the real issue. You'll never be able to talk about what really bothered you about something your husband, your wife said to you. You'll never be able to really confess it to God. And worst yet, you'll never be able to allow God to come into your soul to heal the deep emotional wounds that are being triggered. Because if you don't know they're there, how can you invite God into them? And so if anger is a secondary emotion, I want you to think of the last time you got angry with someone. Okay? I want you to think of the last time you got angry. Big anger, small anger, take your pick. Okay? Some of you have one? Now, you might, you might think I felt anger, but you know what? There's another emotion. Here is just a small list of examples of, of emotions that you might have actually been feeling when you said you were angry. Were you feeling abandoned, afraid, annoyed, anxious, ashamed, betrayed, controlled, criticized, disappointed, discouraged, disrespected, embarrassed, ignored, insecure, insignificant, intimidated, jealous, judged, lonely, manipulated, nervous, overwhelmed, powerless, pressured, rejected, resentful, scared, stressed, stupid, unimportant, unloved, or worthless? See, those are the real emotions beneath the surface. Anger isn't really what gets us angry. If, if you're feeling any one of those things at any point in time, it is likely to come out in anger. And you might not even know it. So that was my big growing area in my 30s particularly once I discovered that Chip Ingram series and his book that I read and loved and that I began to try to look at beneath the surface. What am I really feeling? Because any one of that list, any one of the list up there could be the cause of your anger. And if the best you could do is I feel angry when my wife does this, you're never getting to the real issue. And you're never getting to the place where God wants to meet you. And that's the point of this. It's not just so we can talk better. It's not just so we can have happier marriages. But those are great things, by the way. But really, it's so that we can invite God into our deep wounding of feeling insecure, feeling unloved, even worse, feeling unlovable, feeling rejected. This is where God really wants to meet us. It's in this list here. Now, this might just seem like a bundle and jumble of emotions. But all of these can really be divided up into three big categories. So let me give you three big categories to understand your emotions beneath the surface. Okay? First, hurt comes from unmet needs. Hurt comes from unmet needs. Now, needs are usually deep core desires that we have. The need for respect. The need for equality. The need for love. The need for fairness. All of those are deep human needs. The needs for safety. So to give you an example. So early in our marriage, uh, Peng Fu was she was very critical of my driving. She would tell me when to speed up, slow down, when to turn, 
change lanes, what lane to be in to be the fastest. And we joke about it now and, um, because she's, she's not, mostly not like that. Um, but, but early on, it was a regular occurrence. And I would just get so angry. Now, because at first I thought I would get angry because she's telling me how to drive. No, that's not it. I got angry because I had a deep need to be trusted. And each time she told me I wasn't driving right, it told me she didn't trust me. And I was not trustworthy. That's really why I got angry. One lane over another is not enough to get us angry. But feeling untrustworthy, not deserving of trust, that's enough to get someone angry. It was enough to get me angry. And so we began to talk about that issue, not about speed up, slow down, turn to the right, turn to the left. No. We get hurt when a deep need of ours is not met. Another one, another one is frustration occurs. We get frustrated Frustration occurs when we have unmet expectations. Now here, expectations are more practical things. I expect to be on time. I expect people to clean up after themselves. I expect to be able to spend time with friends. Those are, they're much more practical. Okay, see, now anger is the distance between your expectations and your experiences. Anger is the distance between your expectations and your experiences. If you have super high expectations and super high experiences, awesome. You have no expectations and no experiences, awesome. When you have high expectations and low experiences, that's when you can experience anger. That's when you get angry at the people around you that you feel did not live up to your expectations. So for Pink and I, uh, back when we were at our previous church before River Life, um, we, w- we would go to church Sunday mornings and then come home. And most of our Sunday afternoons were pretty low-key. And I loved it, man. I'd come home and relax, watch TV, and I always looked forward to that. That was sort of my expectation of what Sunday afternoon would be. And then periodically, after service, she'd come up to me and be like, hey, auntie invited us over to her house. And I would get really angry. I'm like, what? Like, why would I get angry? Someone's giving us free food. <laughs> okay, yeah, they're always a little awkward. I'm the giant white guy, and, and I can't really talk with anybody, especially not my auntie or my uncle or things like that. It, and it, so, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. So maybe I, I was angry that she was putting me into an uncomfortable place. No. You know what it was? I was angry because my expectation was just shattered. My expectation of a relaxing, mellow Sunday, Sunday afternoon was just shot. So we get frustrated when we have expectations that aren't met. Uh, lastly, Insecurity comes from attacks on our personal worth. These are actually the ones where we get the most angry. If you have ever had a huge blow up, I can almost guarantee it ties back to an attack on your personal self-worth. Because you see, these are value judgments. 
These are, you're lazy, you're stupid, you're weak. They can be direct, indirect, subtle, explicit. But when we feel like our worth is under attack, we will defend ourselves. And we will, this is no, take no prisoners, gloves off, into the octagon, you're dead. That's, that's our reaction when we feel our self-worth is threatened. This, this is the stuff, and we will fight back because it's about self-worth. It's not that you forgot to pick up something at the store. It's that you're forgetful. It's not that you're watching too much football. It's that you're lazy or selfish. It's not that you're shopping too much. It's that you're irresponsible with money. And I promise you, every time you get angry, it can be traced back to one of these three things. Unmet needs, unmet expectations, or attacks on your personal worth. And you have to be able to know what's going on inside you. You have to be able to look beneath the surface. So there you have it. Kind of the best stuff I have ever learned in my life about how to deal with anger. It's the stuff that transformed a roommate choking, chair throwing, wall punching 20-year-old into me now or with a loving marriage and dealing with my, with my emotions and my anger so much better and so much healthier, so much godlier. So... So for the 65% of you out there who know that anger is a problem, my encouragement is stop trying to dismiss it or tell yourself it's not a big deal. God wants to transform you. He wants to transform how you deal with anger. To do that, he wants to heal you of your deep emotional needs. He wants to be the one to meet your deepest needs. He wants to heal you of your deepest wounds. And he wants to be the one to give you self-worth. So that when those things come up, you're not as threatened by them. Because your identity, your worth, and your healing is found in God alone. Not in your spouse not in your parents, not in your job, not in your bank account, not in your house, not in your car, not in your phone. But your worth and your value and healing is found in God alone. And all of a sudden you'll find things don't get you angry as much as they used to. And you can talk about it. You can deal with it. And you can actually model Christ in your family to your friends, and at work. And that's fundamentally what we want to be able to do. So God can transform you. All you have to do is let him. Learn some skills, learn some tools, and let him transform you. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you that you don't treat us like we treat other people. God, you say that while, um, while you were still sinners, while we were still sinners, 
You loved us. You died for us. You sacrificed for us. So thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus Christ, for sending him to give us a way out of sin. To give us an alternative. God, let us embrace Christ. Let us embrace that promise, that hope that can come through him and him alone. Lord, I pray for the 65%. You can begin a work today in transforming them. It may take days. It may take years. It may even, like me, take decades. But I pray that today becomes a turning point for them. As, as they turn to you for your hope, they turn to you for their healing, they turn to you for their transformation. So I pray for that, for everyone here, and especially those 65%. So I thank you, God, you are gracious, and I thank you that you love us, not for anything we do, but exactly for who we are, your creation. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.